Numbers 33. We're going to close out the book of Numbers today. Uh, Calvin doesn't, don't think I can do it, but um, O ye of little faith. It's only four chapters. How many of you think I can do it? Put your hands up. Let's see that. How many think I cannot do it? Cannot. Couple. Four chapters. Four chapters. How many of you think I cannot do it? Tonight, right now. Here we go. First chapter has, first chapter has 50, 52 verses. I think we can do it. We're going to do this. Father, we thank you so much for your love letter, your word, Lord. And we thank you for just uh, the example that we have, uh, whether it's a good example in your, in your children or a bad example, Lord, but we have something that we can learn from. So, Lord, we lift up this time to you as we have this opportunity to uh, just close out the book of Numbers. Bless our time, Lord, as we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the chapter that I am going to spend the longest um, is chapter 33. So let's jump to 34. Look at that. I've already skipped a chapter. (laughs) Chapter 34. Somebody read me verses 1 and 2 in chapter 34. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land of Canaan, this is the land that shall fall to you as an inheritance, the land of Canaan to its boundaries. Okay. So what are we doing? We're closing out the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers was started with numbering the people, the nation of Israel coming out of Egypt, and they were basically heading 11 days from Kadesh Barnea to the foot of the promised land, which would be the Jordan. Crossing over the Jordan River or through the Jordan River would take them into the promised land, the land of Canaan, the land that God had promised to Abraham, but he had said it was going to be 400 years. There would be a captivity, um, and ultimately it would be a 400-year wait, and, and they had reached that time. They were supposed to go in, but unfortunately... Through a lack of faith, the older generation, everyone 20 years and older, would die off because they weren't walking by faith. They didn't take God at his word. They didn't believe what God was saying, that he was going to give them this land. They didn't possess their possessions. They didn't take their inheritance in. And so, here in chapter 34, we see God is now establishing the boundaries for the nation as they're going to go in. Verses 2 through 15 describe the borders of the land given to the Jews. Verses 16 through 28 list the names of the representatives of each tribe for the purpose of dividing the land. Joshua is mentioned in verse 17. Caleb would be mentioned in verse 19. And then we'll read verse 29. Somebody go ahead and read me verse 29 and 34. These are the men the Lord commanded to assign the inheritance to the Israelites Is that it? All right, so that, he gives the whole list. He gives the tribes that are going to get what part, and he gives them their boundaries. Would the nation of Israel ever take the land and the boundaries that God had given them? No. No. Okay. Can you tell me why they didn't? Go ahead. Uh, They were actually supposed to chase out the surrounding natives that were there however they failed to do that yep so in and and we're going to get into that in chapter 35 and there's a part of that actually that i left out in 33 that we're going to see because we're going to end there but 
they didn't possess all of their possessions. They never, they failed basically to take all that God had given them. Let's see, I, I know I wrote a note on that. What was that? Verse 29. They would never come close taking all the territory God had given them. And unfortunately, we too fail to possess our possessions. Why? What stops us from going all the way God wants us to go? So I want you to think about that. God has incredible things in store for you. Why do you, why do I fail to come into the fullness of what God has for us? What are your thoughts? We have to yield to it. You have to yield to it. What else? Go ahead. We become our own God and think we know better. Okay. So we place ourselves on the throne of our heart. We begin to make decisions for our lives. We begin to trump God and say, well, God, I know you opened this door for me, but I don't want to walk through that. That's not what I had in store. That's not what I was thinking about. I have another plan. I have a different idea. So, yeah, we usurp God's authority. Anybody think of anything else? We lack faith and it's fear. We walk in fear instead of faith. And that's probably one of the biggest things. Before usurping God and trying to take God's position or the other, what was the other thing mentioned? Whatever that other thing was. We lack faith. We, we walk in fear. We're fearful. We see the enemy. He's big, just like the nation of Israel. Oh my gosh, these guys are so big. I can't do it. We're, there's no way. We're grasshoppers in their eyes. So we fear. We fear. We fear um, the potential of it. We look at it and it's too big. It's too looming. It's too much. And so that's unfortunate. And I mentioned last week, one, one thing I learned at the Apologetics Conference was um, God not only knows everything, he knows the potential of what could have been. And I would imagine that it breaks heart, God's heart that we don't go further. That the, his own children here in the nation of Israel, I'm giving you these boundaries. And they possess a tiny little smidget of it. But the same thing is true for us. I have these blessings in store for you, son, daughter. And I'm fearful. Wow, Okay then you're not walking in faith and you're not trusting and your fear is greater than your faith and that's unfortunate because God has incredible things in store but he will not take you deeper than you desire to go. Chapter 35, the tribe of Levi would be given 48 cities spread throughout the promised land. Six were designated to be the cities of refuge, places to which those who unintentionally killed someone could flee. We had already seen uh, the, those cities of refuge. We had already seen what they were. But basically, if somebody accidentally killed somebody, and it had to be not murder, but manslaughter or homicide, the other categories of killing someone, um, first-degree murder, no, those people would get the death penalty. But if it was an accident, if you're hammering and your, you know, your axe flies off of the handle and it accidentally kills somebody, then the avenger would want to take you out. So whoever was in that family line would want to take you out. They, they had an obligation culturally to avenge their brother, their family's death. And so you could go to one of these cities and find refuge. Who is our city of refuge? Jesus. We run to Jesus. We make mistakes. We, we, we accidentally do things. We, we're not walking or doing everything perfectly. What do we run to? We've got to run to the feet of Jesus. We've got to run to his protection, his covering. He loves us. 
He's protecting us. He's looking out for us. And the incredible thing is, the minute, the second, the millisecond that we turn our heart toward the Lord after those mistakes that we make, he's right there, gracious, to be with us, to guide us, to pick us up, to lead us, to put us back on the path. And that's an incredible thing over and over and over and over again. He is just so gracious. And so don't ever let anybody uh, tell you that God's mad at you and that he'll never receive you. God will always receive us. I would hope that we have a contrite heart, a, a broken and a contrite heart. The Bible says God will not despise. And that's what he's looking for. We think it's a sacrifice, right? Well, Lord, you just want me to sacrifice to you. No, no, no. Before sacrifice, I want a broken and a contrite heart. And these will never be despised. And so God wants us to be broken before him. God wants us to recognize, God, I can't do this. Oh, good, you finally figured it out. You can't do this? Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Lean on me. Trust in me. Let me be your strength. Let me be your guide. Let me pick you up where you fell. And that's the God that we serve. So he's our city of refuge. Our last chapter before we jump back to 33 is 36. In verses 1 through 12, the daughters of Zelophehad, um, which we saw in chapter 27, had an issue of inheritance not staying in the family if no sons were born to a family. The leader of Manasseh in this chapter didn't want to lose territory if these daughters marry outside the tribe. So Moses clarifies and says that if a woman receives the inheritance of her father, she can marry whomever she chooses as long as she marries within her tribe. That way the, the territory stays within that family. If she chooses to marry outside of the tribe, she loses the inheritance. What does that speak to of us? We need to be equally yoked, not unequally yoked. We have no business dating, looking outside of our tribe, Christians, to be able to find somebody who the Lord would have us to be with. We're not, it's not missionary dating. We're not dating people so that we can lead them to the Lord. Those are fixer-uppers. God is working on you and fixing you and getting you ready for who he has prepared for you. Don't be trying to fix up nobody. I'll change her. I'll change him. No. So we don't marry outside of the tribe. The book of Amos, uh, chapter 3, verse 3, the Bible says, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? In 2 Corinthians six fourteen, the Bible says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? And so we want to be careful to stay in our tribe. Christians, courting. I don't even like dating. Courting. I'm going to hang out with this person. And as I hang out with this person in a group kind of setting, well, there's an attraction there. All right, maybe it's something a little more slightly exclusive. Hey, I want to get to know you. So you get to know that person. Yeah, all right. Once you realize there's a, it's a deal breaker, there's something within the character or whatever, you want to see the person over their seasons of life, summer, winter, spring, fall, all those seasons. That way you can see, all right, there's a keeper. Yeah, I like this, okay? That's my, my idea. Verse 13, the last verse in the book of Numbers says, These are the commandments and the judgments which the Lord commanded the children of Israel by the hand of Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. So that's how it closes out. Jump back now with me to chapter 33. We just knocked out three chapters. Didn't think I could do it. 
Oh, ye of little faith. Chapter 33, look at verses 1 and 2. These are the journeys of the children of Israel who went out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the land of, hand of Moses and Aaron. Now Moses wrote down the starting points of their journeys at the command of the Lord, and these are their journeys according to their starting points. So this whole chapter is a chapter of, it's almost like a snapshot or a book or a video, like what is it when you, home video from God's perspective of his children. And as they go from being delivered out of Egypt at the foot of the promised land. Let me summarize it for you. In verses 3 through 4, the children of Israel leave Egypt. In verses 5 through 8, they go and through, they go to and through the Red Sea. In verses 9 through 15, they go from Mara to Mount Sinai. In verses 16 through 36, they go from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. In verses 37 through 49, they go from Kadesh Barnea to the Jordan River into the land of promise. So there's a summary of verses 3 through 49. And one thing that is very notable in this section is our Father remembers where we've been. And I don't know if that brings comfort to you, but He knows everything. And it's important. It's like significant to Him. It's meaningful to Him. He cares. He cares where we've been. He cares what we've gone through. He cares about our lives. He chronicles. He, he puts it down here. If you were to read through those verses, you'd be like, oh, and then they went here, and then they went there. And then they went here, and then they went there. And then they went here, and then they went there. And then that's all it says, the whole chapter. And you're reading it, and you're like, huh, yeah, no, very interesting. From God's perspective, he's like, it's interesting to me. Those are my kids. I care. Have you ever gone to somebody's um, house and you've watched their like vacation videos with their children and you're like, oh boy, you got another three hours, huh? Yeah, wow, no, no, it's great. Huh, another, another pool slideshow here. Okay, no, yeah, the kid's swimming. I get, yeah, no, okay, I get it, yeah. It's like nobody cares as much as the parents like or the grandparents, some type of family. Like, I don't even know who you are. God cares, God cares. And I think that's just awesome for us that he cares. Another notable thing is our Father forgets about our sin. Nowhere will you see as God is chronicling what took place. Yeah, and then they messed up over here. And then they, they jacked it up over here. Oh boy, did they slop it up over on this side. None of that is mentioned. God just notes where they were and where they went. And I think that's awesome because our sins are covered. Our sins are covered by the blood. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Past sins, the present sins that we're committing, and our future sins. And they will not be remembered by God. And I think that's incredible. It's like, you can't tell people that. You can't tell people that. Don't tell them. Shh. Don't tell them that. Because they're going to they're gonna mess it up. They're going to sin a lot. No, they're not. You know why? Because that melts you. That breaks you. God's not holding something above you and, and he's not pointing his finger at you and he's not shaking his head in disgust with you. All of that was done on Jesus Christ on the cross and that is just an incredible thing. Lord, you're too good. Stop, Lord, you're so good. I've messed up so much. I don't remember. Where did you mess up? My son covered that. My son has got you. My son forgave you for that. So, 
I think that's just an incredible thing. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And it's that goodness that just breaks us and melts us. And that's the God that we serve. As we go now, we're going to pick it up in verse 50. And I'm going to read you these last verses in chapter 33, starting at verse 50. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, before all their engraved... uh, Wait, 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 wait. Uh, I'm sorry. Destroy all their engraved stones. Destroy all their molded images and demolish all their high places. You shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell in it. For I have given you the land to possess. And you shall divide the land by lots as an inheritance among your families. To the larger you shall give a larger inheritance. And to the smaller you shall give a smaller inheritance. There everyone's inheritance shall be whatever falls to him by lot. You shall inherit according to the tribes of your fathers. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those who you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Moreover, it shall be that I will do to you as I thought to do to them. Once again, not a threat, a simple promise. Remember in the last chapter we read, verse 32 last week, before we started uh, today in 33, there was a verse that said, know this, your sin will find you out. And it's, God is just repeating that in a sense at the end of this chapter. He's saying, these guys are going to be irritants in your eyes and they're just going to straight out bug you. And our application once again is possess our possessions. Walk in faithfulness. Walk through the doors that God opens for you. Don't, don't shy back from that. Don't, don't hold back from what God has for you. God wants to bless you. God wants to give you more, give you greater. And oftentimes we think it's always in material blessings. Guys, material things can only go so far. Can you put a price tag on peace? Can you put a price tag on, on watching your kids get saved? On, on things like that, that there is no amount of money that you would give your very life for. So recognize that God has things in store for us that we can't even begin to imagine. And as we continue to walk in faithfulness to what he has for us, then God wants to bestow those things upon us. And it's not... It's not like God is sadistic and he wants to see us in pain. God is saying, just walk in faith. Walk in trusting me. Walk in faithfulness to what I'm calling you to. Um, what I see in this last section is a make no peace treaty with the flesh. Be careful with your flesh. Be careful to let your flesh rule over your spirit. You come into this world body, soul, and spirit. Your, your spirit is dead, spiritually speaking. So when you become born again, saved, your spirit is quickened or made alive. And at that moment, you have to now fight 
for the rest of your life in this spiritual battle, this spiritual warfare, where your flesh is going to want to just rise up and run your life. And you have to do everything to just keep that flesh in check. And the way you do that is you starve the flesh, you give it nothing, you reckon the old man dead, and you walk in the Spirit. You let God lead you. You let God guide you. And the minute you say, no, I'm not going to let you lead me, God. I'm not going to let you guide me on this decision. Your flesh is winning. You've just let now your flesh take over. And your flesh has an insatiable appetite. You, You feed it a morsel. And it grows into a monster. You have to walk in the Spirit and crucify the flesh. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 13.14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Make no provision for the flesh. Questions, comments, concerns? Bam! Four chapters. What? Calvin, what are your thoughts? message. I think it's kind of funny that you do four chapters a lot faster than you do one chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Good message, though. We'll take it. I guess I have a comment. It's kind of difficult when you get stuck in the flesh. You know, like, when your flesh takes over, you would think it would be easy to kind of just, like, be like, okay, I'm messing up. I just kind of check myself. But it's not that simple. <coughs> you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know, I'm sure not too many of you have experienced it. You ever get in an argument with a person, and at some point in that argument, you realize, what am I, what am I doing? But like now I'm in it to win it. I'm too deep. So I'm like, I'm going for broke. I got this one. Like, but at some point, you like, it like clicks, and you come, and, and I don't know. I just, those are like humbling moments where God is expecting us at the moment that we realize it. Whether it's a day, a week, a month, a year, whenever we like get that, we want to maintain a sensitivity and heart to the Holy Spirit and his conviction. So whenever we get it, just at that moment, eat the humble pie and just go, you know, uh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I think that helps as you, as you, you're training your spirit. Part of the reason why we fast is not to twist God's arm. But one of the big reasons why we fast regularly, Christian, is because we are showing the flesh that my spiritual man is in control. I am, I am foregoing something that I rightfully deserve so that in the day of temptation, when something looms on the horizon to tempt me with something that I don't deserve, something I shouldn't have, my spiritual man says, no, I'm not going there. My spirit is leading me, okay? Not my flesh. That's one of the big reasons why we fast. So encourage you guys, just think about that. Anybody else? Go ahead, Monica. Um, the last uh, portion of 55 and into verse 56 was just, I think, it just kind of popped out a little bit more to me, a little about how, how God, you know, handled the Israelites as well as he handles us 
they told her pretty much like if you don't you know get rid of everything not only is it going to be an irritant to you but i'm still going to have to handle them with you with them in the land along with you like mm. whatever i had planned to them i'm going to have to lay it on you too because they didn't you know get rid of everything Yeah, and you look at our country where we're at right now and how many Christians have not obeyed and where we're at. There's a lot of confusion going on right now. And the church of Laodiceans, the church of the Laodiceans, is the last day's church where they're neither hot nor cold and God will spit them out of his mouth. Just It's nauseating to God. And we are experiencing that in our culture. And so, yes... Unfortunately, the church has not risen up. And, and here's our greatest thing that we can do, guys. Pray. Prayerlessness is pride. Prayer, prayerlessness screams, I don't need you, God. And what I love about prayer is, it's done in secret. It's done in secret. So if you ever find yourself in a prayer meeting, short in public, long in private. Short in public, long in private. But the, the, the real work of prayer is done in a prayer closet. So encourage you guys to battle. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and seek my face and, what does it say, and forsake their wicked ways and all of that, then I will hear from heaven. Heal their land. So we need to pray. Anybody else? Do you know who, did they leave people behind? Or like their inhabitants that were there before? Was there like tribes that they left? Did who leave? Because they were, like Monica was saying, that they he asked them to remove everyone. Uh-huh. Was there people that they actually left there? Or? Yes. Amalekites. Yes. Amalekites and Paul's. A lot of the enemies. All of, all of the Zites. Because you see it throughout Samuel. You read Samuel and there's enemies there. You see... Just as you go through kings, there's enemies in the land. So they, they kept doing that. They kept either compromising, getting lazy, uh, lack of faith, getting complacent. It's like us. It, it, you know, I, I look at our, our walk as, you know, you come and do this life of a Christian as a baby. You're, you're, you're born again and you're a baby. And then what God does through time is he's maturing you. He's growing you up. And you, unfortunately, as an adult or a person that has volition, free will, you get to participate and accept what God is doing, cooperate with Him, or reject. And so the Romans 12 scripture, where your body is supposed to be a living sacrifice, you lay it on the altar, it's dead, and you let God transform you and grow you up as you're maturing. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. But unfortunately, these adult bodies jump off of that altar time and time again and say, God, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to participate. I don't want this. I don't like where you're taking me. I'm jumping off. And so we stunt our growth. We stunt our maturity. And all this, this example of, not, of them not doing what they were supposed to do rid the land of the enemy. We do the very same thing spiritually by not participating with God. When God says definitively, I, I want you to stop that. That thing you do, I want you to stop that. 
and we are like, oh, it's too hard, I can't stop it, I just, you don't understand my childhood and the difficulties that I've been through. And we give God all of these reasons why we can't do what He's going to do through us, but we're like, Ugh. your hands up. Oh, I was just going to say it's the obedience that we want. And like we said, leave them all there and they don't. Like the, the one part where it says, this doesn't show everybody. Like they make one person alive, which perpetuates it on and on. And we do the same thing. But some people will get uh, discouraged because they get down on themselves because they keep doing it over and over or whatever, and they give up hope. And they don't go back to where they can finally <coughs> deal with it. But God knows already. He, we can't disappoint Him. We can't. You know, we can't surprise him. He already knows what we're going to do from the day before until the day we go home. And he knows already. He just wants us to come to him and ask for his help. And, you know, eventually, like you said, he grows us up. We get it, but it takes a lot for that. Yeah. You know, we just can't give up. We obey what he says. Eventually, we get it. And it's no different than the promised land here. The land was promised. God was going to give it to them. He promised it. And so in the same way, our victory is not in what we do. It's in surrendering to what God wants to do. But we find reasons not to. We, 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 uh, we, again, we'll make up reasons and rationale that probably we're only talking ourselves into it because we're not talking God into it. God's like, no, nah, I pretty much can do that for you, but you won't let me. Right? Good old America mentality, huh? Yeah, good, good section. Um, next, next week we get into Deuteronomy. So uh, just put your hats on for that and uh, look forward to being blessed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for just, Lord, your commandments are your enablements. You do not command us to do anything that you will not empower us to do. And so, Lord, I pray that as we grow in faith, trusting you, taking you at your word, leaning on you, not leaning on the arm of flesh or understanding, trusting in you, knowing, Lord, that you are just uh, having us to come into a fuller sense of our salvation, Lord, in sanctification. And so we thank you so much for the work of your Spirit. Lord, we thank you that we can sit under your Word, that we can learn and grow and and come to an understanding. And, uh, Lord, all of us have failed miserably in areas, and, uh, Lord, there are uh, victories that we've received. And so I just pray that we would be mindful of that, Lord, that we would be desiring to just continue to just come into the fullness of what you have for us. So help us, Lord. Help uh, our unbelief. Help our unfaith. And may we just truly just allow you uh, just the preeminence and give no provision, no place for the flesh. So thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for this time. And uh, Lord, we just uh, ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.